Section 3 of Northern Trails, Book 2. This is the LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Melissa Jean. Northern Trails, Book 2, by William J. Long. In Quest of Waptonk the Wild, Part 3. Waptonk was evidently amazed at my quiet. Having expected either fight or flight, he was thrown off his balance, and hardly knew how to meet the emergency. I fancied I could see it in his eyes as he looked at me steadily. A moment or two he kept his defensive attitude till the hissing gradually died away. He raised himself suddenly and threshed his great wings in my face. I could feel the strong wind of them on my cheek and measure the nervous muscular beat under his feathers as he tried their power. Then he put his head down to the ground and hissed again, daring me to come on. Ten yards behind him sat his mate, her head raised out of the grass, watching us steadily without a sound. Suddenly she uttered a low call with a curious accent of warning and reassurance. It was a communication to her champion, plainly enough, for he wavered slightly for the first time from his intense attitude. The next moment she slipped out of the grass into the pond, and after her came five goslings, alert little bundles of yellow-brown fuzz that walked steadily across the shore, with a funny effect of carrying their knees up close to their shoulders, and glided easily into the friendly waters. There was another low call from the grey mate, then Waptunk, though he had not turned his head nor taken his keen eyes for an instant from my face, turned swiftly aside and threw himself into the water. A push or two from his powerful webs, and he was floating safely far beyond my reach, still looking back at me alertly over his shoulder as he surged away. The little family glided swiftly along the pond shore, the mother leading them and talking to them reassuringly. Behind them and me hovered Waptunk swinging back and forth on his watchful patrol till they disappeared from sight. Then he glided silently after them into a muddy lagoon where the treacherous bogs forbade any human foot to follow. An hour later the little wild family stole shyly out of the haven where they had hidden, and found me sitting quietly just where I had first appeared. If they were surprised or uneasy, they gave no sign of their feelings beyond a bright, inquisitive look, but swam slowly past me and climbed the bank where it was worn hard by their feet, and started across the barren on their day's foraging. For hours I followed them, keeping out of sight as much as possible, watching with keenest interest their feelings and discipline, and noting especially the crude beginnings of that wedge formation with which they would later make their first long flight southward ahead of the autumn gales. Wherever they went, Waptonk, the big gander, was near them, hovering on the outskirts, or watching them keenly from every little hillock that commanded a wider view of the great barren. He ate but little, and apparently only incidentally. His whole business seemed to be to guard his little flock while the mother led them about to feed, or train them to the perfect discipline that is the wonder of all those who have ever watched wild geese. And when at midday the feeding was done, and the goslings were sunning themselves on the bank of another flashlit under the mother's eye, Waptonk took wing and bore away swiftly over the woods and marshes to the ocean, as if in his cramped life he wanted room and exercise or perhaps just a glimpse of the wise sea which he loved, as all others do who have once felt the spell of its boundless mystery. For within the hour he was back again, as usual, standing guard over his own. Later, as I had returned day after day to watch the grey voyages that had so long attracted me, I saw a rare bit of Waptonk's care and sagacity. One of the goslings, more headstrong than the others, in wandering away from the leader over a treacherous bit of bogland, found himself stogged in some soft mud that he attempted to cross too hurriedly and carelessly. He floundered desperately for a moment, called sharply, 
and then lay perfectly quiet with wings extended on the mud to keep himself from sinking deeper instantly the mother bird called all the young close about her raised her neck high to look over them at her helpless gosling and then turned her head and honked deeply to the gander Waptonk had already seen the danger from his point of vantage and rose heavily in the air circling once with bent head over the little fellow in the mud as if to understand the situation he turned and flapped over him reaching down to seize a wing in his bill so with the youngster kicking vigorously and flapping his free wing to help himself he half dragged and half carried his careless offspring over the mud and hiked him out upon the moss with a final unnecessary jerk that seemed to tell him roughly to take better care of himself another time but he lowered his head to rub his cheek softly down the little fellow's neck and over his wings again and again before he walked quietly away to his post as if nothing whatever had happened then came the final scene which made me tingle in my hiding increasing the strong desire that rarely leaves me to understand what passes in the heads and hearts of the wood folk the mother went to the careless one and brought him back to where the flock was waiting then standing in the midst of her brood she seemed to be talking to them first in a low chatter then in a strange silent communication in which not a muscle moved but in which every neck was raised in the attitude of tense attention a moment later the flock was moving across the barren cheeping whistling feeding as before late in the afternoon as i watched by the home flashlit there was another scene altogether different and here were many things that a man could not be expected to understand though i saw and admired them often enough as the sun sank and the pointed shadows of the spruce came creeping out across the barren the little flock came wandering back as is the custom with wild geese to spend the night by the nest where they were born and to sleep contentedly under their mother's wing while the old gander kept watch and ward in the darkness for waptonk is more of a land bird than any of the ducks the forward set of his legs shows that nature intended him to walk as well as swim and he will never sleep in the water if he can find a safe and quiet spot to rest on the shore at sight of the familiar place the little family that i had watched all day long suddenly stopped their hungry wandering and came running in a close group heads all up and whistling to tumble down the slope and throw themselves with glad splashes into the friendly water which was all aglow now with the splendors of the sunset there they drank and washed themselves and played together in their little races and scuffles and stopped their play to stretch their necks down to the oozy bottom for roots that they had overlooked or for earth and pebbles to aid their digestion then as the shadows lengthened they glided to an open spot on the bank to preen and gabble softly while the big parent birds their own preening finished as they watched the play of their little ones went from one to another rubbing them tenderly with their white cheeks chattering over each one in turn and in twenty little indescribable ways of showing their fondness their gladness also that the long good day was done and they were safe at home once more perhaps this was all imagination but even so a man must look in his heart not in the psychologies or natural histories if he would understand half of what the wood folk are doing here before my eyes was a little family that had come back in the sunset after much wandering and some danger to the one spot in the great wilderness that they knew well where life began for the goslings and where each familiar thing seemed to welcome them and make them feel at home over them stood the parents strong and watchful against the world but bending their necks tenderly to tell their little ones by the soft caress of their cheeks that they loved and understood them a low contented gabble filled the twilight stillness unintelligible perhaps yet telling plainly by its changing accents the gosling's changing feelings from the day's bright excitements to the evening's sleepy content 
and recalling to me in a sudden wave of tenderness the chatter of a little child far away in the same twilight who could speak no words yet but whose feelings i could understand perfectly as she talked back to the friendly universe and then crooned herself and her dolly to sleep alone in her own little crib a great tide of light rolled suddenly over the plain from the west as the clouds lifted bathing all things in a rosy splendour and the young birds stopped their chatter to turn their heads and watch silently for a moment as the glory swept over them and the voices were different more hushed and sleepy yet with a slight note of wonder like birds wakened by a light when i heard them again in the nearest thicket a choir of thrushes were ringing the angulus nearer a solitary vesper sparrow hidden in the grey moss was singing his hymn to the evening an unknown call floated down from the distant hills a fox barked in answer while the river hushed its roar as the night fell and went singing down on its way to the sea and to all these sounds and to every wave of light and passing shadow and restless wing of the eddying plovers the young birds responded instantly with low cheeps and whistles drawing nearer and nearer together to feel a last touch of their parents white cheeks while i lay and watched them myself drifting away into that delicious borderland of feeling and sense impression in which the young birds live so constantly where all conscious thought vanishes and one becomes alive in every nerve and finger-tip to the sights and sounds and subtle harmonies of the world for nature not only reveals herself but some beautiful and forgotten part of a man's own soul when she finds him responsive in the wilderness slowly the glory deepened and faded and the crimson flush that had spread wide over the great barren came creeping back into the west out of which it had come after it came the silence hushing the gosling's chatter and the bird's hymn and only the river was left singing to itself through the listening woods over the vast plain came again the sea wind swinging its fragrant censer from which fell now only heavy and drowsy odours and the fleecy mists that i had seen rise at dawn settled softly again to cover the sleeping earth like a garment i could no longer see the birds that i had followed all the long sunny day but where the little family stood a soft grey shadow blurred the open shore and from it came now and then a sleepy inquisitive peep as some little one stirred uneasily and then a deep quiet answer to tell him that all was well and that he was not alone in the darkness that was my first real meeting with Waptonk, my first answer to the question which had always been in my heart and which neither the books nor the hunters could answer as to what he was like in his own land where the guns and decoys of men might not enter and i was satisfied perfectly satisfied as i turned away in the twilight across the wild barren to where my little tent by the salmon river was waiting end of inquest of waptonk the wild end of section three